one life ends, another begins. So, uh, well, here I am. Doing science. I see you. I see you. And welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 484. And I'm here once again, not only to help you have the best possible vacation experience when you go to the Disney parks, but I also want to help bring you a little bit of that Disney magic wherever you are with the podcast, my videos, blog, live broadcasts every Wednesday, my books, audio tours, new 360-degree VR videos, and more. You can find everything over at www.radio.com. So after nearly six years since the announcement was made that Disney and James Cameron would be bringing Pandora, the world of Avatar, to life, it opened this past weekend to record crowds and emotional reactions. This week, I want to take you with me through Pandora as we review the environment, story, attractions, merchandise, dining, of course, and more in a land that truly defines what a breathtaking, immersive environment truly is. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show. I'll have some updates, including uh, information about our next meet of the month, upcoming special events, your voicemails, and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. in Kansas anymore. You are on Pandora, ladies and gentlemen. Respect that fact every second of every day. Well, Pandora takes this wondrous, awesome, uh, incredibly rich world that was created digitally by Jim Cameron and turns it into a physical space at Disney's Animal Kingdom. And it is uh, not to be believed. We have a standard at Disney that I like to talk about a lot, which is, how did they do that? Where people, our guests ask, you know, how is it possible Disney did that? And this is a great example of that. They've been great partners. We first reached out to them uh, quite a while back and basically asked, I asked, would you ever think about allowing us to build Pandora or building it with us? And from the moment I spoke with him, James had an enthusiasm and a a great interest in it, and he and his partner John Landau have been wonderful to work with on this. Cooperative, we obviously needed not only their creative expertise and their input, but even some of their technology. And it's been a just a very, very productive and enjoyable partnership. Well, I think what's great about this is because we're creating a space that is Pandora, that the cast members are actually acting as though they are Pandorans, or that they have a role in Pandora, not just in Disney or in 
in uh, uh, Walt Disney World or in Animal Kingdom, but actually in Pandora. And I love that. And I love how they have embraced it and that concept so enthusiastically. I want you to think back with me. Think back nearly six years ago when Disney announced at a press conference at Imagineering that a long-term creative partnership with James Cameron's Lightstorm Entertainment and Fox Filmed Entertainment was going to bring something new to Walt Disney World, and that was the fantasy world of Avatar. A couple of years later, we start to get the first glimpses of what it might look and feel like at Disney's D23 Expo when a small interactive exhibit featuring cast members helped start putting together pieces of this puzzle of this very mysterious land and storyline together for us guests. A couple of years ago, once again at D23 Expo, we started to see what this world of Pandora was really going to look like. And this past week, those dreams, designs, and creative concepts came to life when Pandora, the world of Avatar, officially opened to guests I don't even say at Disney's Animal Kingdom, but just about 4.4 million light years outside of Disney's Animal Kingdom. So this week, um, much like I did during the previews uh, with live video and photos and some of the 360 VR videos, I really want to take you with me into Pandora to explore the land, the attractions, the environment, the food, the experience, and of course the food. And because this is the largest expansion in this park's history, I also want to bring in other voices and perspectives as well. So ladies first and joining me once again is the lovely Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. I was waiting for the punchline. There is no punchline. <laughs> we had we had a, a beautiful time together in Pandora we and I'm really not gonna did. ruin it. Oh, you, oh, oh, I'm so proud of you. That'll last about five minutes, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I'm really looking forward to talking about this today. And back once again, the last time you may have heard this, this friend was back on show 157 when we talked about the social media moms, but I know she's been with me on live broadcast, including recently from Pandora. She is Amanda Tinney. Thank you so much for having me back after this long hiatus. It is an honor. It is. Listen, I've been trying to get through your people and your managers. I finally got through to you and we were able to work out a deal. So welcome back. <laughs> and back again. And because he's here, you know, we will discuss food is the big fat. I mean, do I even need to say your name other than the big fat panda from bigfatpanda.com, John Sakari. Welcome back, buddy. Thank you so much. I am so thrilled to talk Avatar with all of you. I am as well. We saw each other spend a lot of time together in Pandora this past week. Uh, we were able to go during a special media preview. I don't know if you guys have visited again um, since, but I really want to sort of take, I, I want to sort of go somewhat chronologically, and I want to sort of, before we get into the, the world of Pandora itself, I want to go back to when that official announcement came out uh, oh so many years ago when the official announcement came out that Disney was going to partner with Lightstorm Entertainment. It, it, six years ago, it, sometimes it seems like it was even longer than that. But when we heard that announcement, <laughs> I'm going to say this as <laughs> diplomatically as possible, it brought out many different opinions via social media. Uh, this was one of the first time I think that I really saw 
the social media Twitterverse explode with a cacophony of varying voices. I saw things where people said, I will never, ever visit Disney's Animal Kingdom ever again, although I saw them there last week, that it didn't fit. It didn't. It's a true story. Um, it didn't fit. It didn't make sense. I hated the movie. Like, the, the litany of, of, um, of emotional responses, and I'm not criticizing them because I think it goes to how passionate we as Disney enthusiasts are about it. But I want you to sort of go back and what was your reaction and what was your maybe reaction to the reactions? We'll, we'll go ladies first. And since Amanda, it has been longest since you have been on the show, I'm going to put you on the spot first. What did you think okay. when they first announced it? And then if you were even paying attention to some of the, the, the social responses as well. Uh, my initial reaction was Avatar. Meh. Oh, Joe Rody's earring. Like I haven't, I, ha- I, I hadn't seen the movie, and I know that like garnered some like audible gasps from the crowds that I was with this weekend or this week when we um, went to the opening. But I really didn't give it a thought. I was just like, meh. Maybe this will be that magical kingdom, that magical area of animal kingdom that we were supposed to have, you know, from the get go. There'll be unicorns and whatever. But, uh, yeah, I really didn't give it a thought. Becky, what about you? Well, I had seen the movie and it was good to me. It wasn't great. So when they did the announcement, it was kind of shocking in a way. It's like, wait, what? Uh, knowing that it had made so much money, though, it kind of made sense in a strange way. But the one thing that I did kind of gravitate to was the fact that it wasn't really about the movie. And my hopes and dreams was that it was going to be much more about the environment than trying to carry on the storyline from the movie. And thankfully, that's kind of how it's worked out. But uh, from the the backlash, I guess, because there was so they were so passionate that you put it in a good way, in a good PC way, <laughs> that there were people who were just adamant that it wouldn't work and it would be horrible and would just be the story. And uh, over time, I think as they released some details and information, it really started to come to light to what they had intended for this land to be. And I, I really think it um, it's kind of checked off all the boxes. John, what about you? Okay, I I did have a completely different view than everyone. (laughs) Having seen the movie five times and falling in love with it, I was thrilled. And when I heard the backlash from people, I thought that I was in this twilight zone. How could this movie have made so much money? But everybody hates it. And a lot of people that were saying it doesn't belong in Disney's Animal Kingdom, my first question to them was, did you see the movie? And they would all say no. And it would drive me bananas that they they didn't see how the animals and the conservation and the whole message fit. So I was a fan from the get-go. I couldn't wait for it. I, I saw only, you know, rainbows and roses. I loved it. <laughs> so, you know, for me, when they made the announcement, um, I think like, like the, the acquisition of Lucasfilm, it came out of left field. Like nobody right. saw this coming. There was no rumors. There was no discussion about... But for me, look, there's a couple of things that that came into play right off the bat. One, for me, and I say this all the time, unapologetically, Disney and Imagineering and guys like Joe Rohde, they have earned my trust based on what they have done in the past number of years and decades. When you see a land like Cars Land come to life and what that experience is, I have this inherent trust 
in them. I had seen Ish the movie, like I had started watching. <laughs> dur- well, because I started ish? watching during the forty-hour show, which is not the best time to watch it. In- so we had rented a house, and we actually had a yeah. giant movie theater room in there, and we called it the Avatar Room because yeah. we were watching yet partially falling asleep. But I had pieced it together little by little. I, I had, I-, I was amazed at, from a technological standpoint. I was amazed. It was a visually stunning, breathtaking film. And I've said this ad nauseum on the show. If I could have gone back and edited out all of the military aspect and just been able to look at the environment, that to me was what the film was. Look, it made two point, what is it, seven, two point nine billion with a B dollars. So somebody had to have actually seen it, right? Somebody had to have been impressed by what they saw. That being said, other than maybe John, if I asked you to name three characters from the film, I personally couldn't do it. Like Sigourney I know, Weaver. <laughs> well, <Yeah>. right. So, <laughs> like, so for me, I'm like, okay, I know Gamora and Ripley are in it, but I don't think like <laughs> those are from different films. That's all you need to know. That's all, yeah. yeah. So pretty but much. That was, You know, and, you know, we've heard that the sequels are coming. They've been delayed. There was question, we know, how does Avatar fit into Disney's Animal Kingdom? It made sense to me because I'm like, look, Avatar was not about a military mining expedition. It was about the same thing that Disney's Animal Kingdom is about. It's this living in concert. Dare I say, living with the land we all love. Nature's plan will shine above. But to me, it it sort of made sense. And when you see guys, look, James Cameron, John Landau are, like Disney, incredible storytellers. And that is where the trust came in for me, knowing the level of detail and story that would be in here. And with Joe Rohde being creative director, you knew that it was not going to be about the the characters and the plot of the film, but it was going to be about the environment and conservation and things like that. So Avatar and Animal Kingdom really did fit into each other in a very nice, neat kind of way. And obviously it wasn't until this past week that we understood exactly how those two storylines came in. But I wasn't upset about it. I was excited about it, including leading up to this past week. Yeah, and that whole piece of the bioluminescence when they were showing that in the movie and just looking at how um, how the environment glowed and sparkled and I could just see how they could uh, paint that palette in a land especially with the people who were behind it when like you said with Joe Rohde and those who are really thinking this through it came together beautifully yeah and as we started to get closer and we saw the designs uh, the, the mock-up of, of the model at Expo uh, two years ago, we really started to get excited about it. But I, like me personally, I made sure that I didn't look at any video, anything ahead of time. I needed to see it with my own eyes before I got in there. And uh, let's sort of, as as we get into Pandora itself, I want to talk about not necessarily the attractions yet, but I want to talk about the environment. Because for me, the environment is an attraction in and of itself. Um, this valley of Morara, those floating mountain ranges. Tell me, guys, and John, you were just jumping in. Tell me what that experience was like 
when you first enter the land and experience it for yourself? I think the first thing is that no video or photos really does this land justice. I mean, really, you've got to see it. But it wasn't just the the floating mountains. It was the way they were connected. Those vines. I just, I don't know why I'm entranced by vines. How, did you feel the same way when you saw the vines and the colors? You're like, somebody draped these things up there. It was, it just looks real, like it's real vegetation. And it just was lush and beautiful in the water. Ah. <laughs> and, and you know if and i get the ah right because yeah. i've seen it so uh, uh becky and amanda well for me it was really interesting because when you first walk in you're hit with that wall of sound you're you're hit with the the sounds of the water and the animals and the crickets and whatever those other things are that growled really loudly but you you really do feel that you've moved from that was loose stomach is that what that was? <laughs> until until we got back to the canteen, yeah. Um, but that really being hit with a sensory overload in a way with the environment, because when you first walk over that bridge and you're hit with that wall of sound, and then all of a sudden you start seeing the flora that is alien. It's it's different and it's got color, and it, you really do kind of feel like you've walked into um, a, a different ecosystem. And for me, not seeing the movie, it was literally, I wrote about this. I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to put this into words because I can't speak. But I can only compare it to someone who, a child, who has heard about the Magic Kingdom and Cinderella Castle and just walking under the Main Street Railroad Station, stepping out on the Main Street USA for the first time and seeing Cinderella Castle. It was just overwhelming. I had no idea what to expect. The only thing that was familiar to me at all was that little stream that runs on the right hand side. And I was like, Oh, can't Minnie Mickey. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, that's a really good analogy, Amanda. Yeah. yeah that, that's it great. was completely overwhelming. And on Instagram, I'm in, on Instagram all the time. I was the right click was my friend. I was like, right clicking like a boss, trying not to look at anyone's stories leading up to it. Cause I was <laughs> oh, like, no, the hard I don't want to see anything. Yeah, there were so many great people. I mean, you know, Lou, you did a whole bunch of awesome 360s uh, later on, but you'd been in there earlier. There were so many people had uh, access through the AP and and other uh, previews that they had going. It was so hard not to look. But uh, like you, I didn't want to get any preconceived notions. I didn't want to see the pictures. I'd already seen enough of the um, of the renderings. So I, I really wanted my own experience with my own eyes, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, when I, you know, living locally and, and, and driving by and past Disney's Animal Kingdom, I was able to watch from a, a very far distance those floating mountain ranges start to come together. And they're about 160-ish feet high. They use force perspective, so they seem taller. But once you get inside Pandora, right, you look and you're like, these mountains appear to float. Like, I understand why it took them the year just to build the steel foundations. Because, like you said, John, with being covered by the, the those sort of jagged peaks and the foliage and the, the rock work and the vinery, they appear as though they are floating. And we say all the time that you should always look up and look around. And I think there's no better and more important place to do that than 
Pandora. Um, you know, and I, when I approach it, something like this, I approach it from a lot of different ways. I think about it from an engineering perspective. I think of it from a storytelling perspective. I think it from you know a, a Disney type perspective. So one of the things I spent way too much time thinking about was the transition itself from Disney's Animal Kingdom into Pandora. Because if you've listened to any of my audio tours or taken some of the tours at Disney, you know that when you trans when you go, for example, from the turnstiles in Magic Kingdom into Main Street USA, you walk under the train trestle. You you go through a, a very deliberately designed portal that Imagineering creates. So that transition takes you from the 172 degree Florida heat and humidity into the 172 degree heat and humidity of turn of the century Midwestern, you know, America. Right, right. That physical portal does not exist in the same way here, right? As you start to walk from the area by where uh, Tiffin's and Nomad lounges, the, the bridge that you cross is less of a visual portal than it is an auditory one. And I and I ask and I invite you to almost stand there and close your eyes as you walk through because you'll hear a, a transition and a change in the animals and the drawing out of music. And the only sort of analogy I could think of, it's like it's like tra- it's like traversing the Bifrost, the rainbow bridge between <laughs> Midgard and Asgard, yeah. <laughs> you know, where you can mm. see that land ahead of you, but you do need to sort of make that 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 transition as well. And because everything is so lush and green, it does sort of flow very nicely into the earthbound plants that you see in Disney's Animal Kingdom versus all of the foliage that you see in Pandora. Well said. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing that I've heard people discuss too is when you... Look, the, the storytelling aspect here, I think, is some of the best Disney has done. I, and we'll talk about this later, too. I, I think this is a, a new level of immersive experiences. And I think this is a precursor to what we're going to see in Star Warsville or Star Wars Land or whatever they're going to call it. Because in addition to, look, the, the, one of the, the Disney idioms is, is everything speaks. And this is very much the case here. And I don't just mean the environment speaks, but even, you know, the cast members, they help complete us. They all have a backstory. They're almost like their own uh, little versions of, of streetmosphere characters. Exactly. As well. Yep. Because, and whether they are the walk around characters from Ace or the guy that I spent 15 <laughs> minutes talking to who was the cashier at Satuli Canteen, I love the fact that all of the cast members get to have and or create their own backstory. They are very much a part of this environment. And that was one of the things that I enjoyed so much about it was stopping one of the guys from Ace. I think I spent maybe 20 or 25 minutes just asking him about the different plants and the different animals in the area and how humans are impacting uh, the moon that we're on. And it was really cool, actually, to to hear the fluidity of the story. And I think what I loved most of all, and this kind of ties into it, that it's really not as Disney as you would think, but in a good way. So in other words, yes, this, yes. the story is really there. And it's so, and we, we've used the word immersive quite often when we talk about attractions. But like you said, this one really is it's taken it to a whole new level where you, um, you're, you're sucked in from every level. 
And I think the thing I loved the most when you first walk in is you have no idea where you're going. There's there's no um, signs to point you to the attractions. There's no there's nothing that tells you you need to go here for a Mickey bar because there's not one there. <laughs> you, yeah, yeah. You, That's so true. I didn't even. Yeah, it really leaves. That, but it's so true. It really leaves you to have to walk through and find your way around and discover with every step, which I, I found so refreshing. And, and, you know, when we even down to the level of walking into the merchandise areas, which we'll talk about, it doesn't have the, you know, Disney in your face. You really can make yourself mentally transport to a different location because it just doesn't feel like Disney, yet it really is from the story level, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought we were going to see like a blue-faced Mickey Mouse, but you didn't. I mean, it's really <laughs> yes. You know, Mickey's Mickey's kind of absent in a good way, and it's almost like having your own private VIP tour guide if you can get to one of those Ace mm-hmm. experts. Yeah, they were chock they were full of knowledge. They were great. They, they, were, they really, really were. were. Yeah, and, and the other thing that. I like and look. I spent a, a a lot of my time in Pandora just wandering, right? So the no sign that very deliberate choice because I think like Disney's Animal Kingdom, like Discovery Island, they want you to wander through this land. They want you to see the floating mountains and the streams and the rock work from all angles. They want you to sort of get lost a little bit along the way. And when I did that, it took me till my third day there before I started to find some of the things that were hidden. And I and I, when I say hidden, I don't mean just some of the the, the uh, Pandoran um, wildlife, but when I found the RDI, the scorpion gunship, overgrown, buried in the bushes, I'm like, how have I walked <laughs> by that for three yep. days? And I yep. never, and I'm like, and I, and I love that mix of the biology and the metal in the land. You see it at Satuli, you see it in the queues. You really get the sense of how this this you know the um the RDA that was there earlier a generation ago has been sort of overgrown and overtaken by the environment. And the the word that I kept on using when we were broadcast was like I'm like this land feels alive to me. It it, it mm. feels alive because of what you see because of what you hear. And I and I implore you, if you have not been there, or if you've been there only in the day or only in the night, you need to go there at dusk. You need to listen for the transition from daytime to night because it's not just visual. There's a, there are deliberate sounds that change throughout the day. So if you think about a, a natural environment, during the day, all the animals are out. They're roaming around, they're foraging. But at night, what happens? the prey goes away and the predators come out and they are seeking their prey because they want to, and you can hear it in the animals. And I talked to some of the Imagineers about the animals that they recorded both from the film and, and working with uh, some of the folks from Disney's Animal Kingdom about the predator and prey type environments. Like everything is so incredibly deliberate, but you really almost have to sit there and close your eyes and just listen. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that the average guest will likely visit the two attractions and then leave and miss so much more that is there, the way you said it, with the sounds. And like, I remember there was an Imagineer we had spoken to that told us about the, it doesn't just go from day to night. There is a transition of 
how it goes. And they said to stay there while it's transitioning. And you'll notice so much about the sounds and the light. And there's a lot more into it. But it, just a second, what you said, Lou, do you remember those creatures? They had like a shell on and they spit water in the little mm-hmm. pond. Yep. It wasn't until the third the third day there that I actually saw that. Don't know how I missed it, completely <laughs> missed it. So there is a lot of little trails that you really do have to go and explore. Yeah, there are. There are a lot of trails. I noticed that on the map and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't go back through this area. I need to go back through there. Yeah. Well, and right, It looks out, like you just run from left to right, but it's not. It's not. And, no. and it's you should not go, I mean, obviously get there, get on Flight of Passage and then go wander. But you are meant to... Uh, wander, and I actually never picked up a map. I, I wanted to explore, but John, you brought up a great point. A lot of the environment is very much interaction. So there are some of the plant and animal life will respond to tactile interaction. There's a lot of new motion sensor technology that Disney Research implemented here in Pandora. Uh, you might not have seen it all those first couple of days, but the more and, and there are some signage here and there that will let you know that there's some water interactions or some sound interactions. And that's one of the things I love is that um, the land itself is an attraction. I think and look, the land itself to me is a character. I don't just mean the cast members, because that was a question that I had gotten a number of times were where are the Navi? Like, where are the characters? And the thing that we as guests have to realize is this is not about Sully and Natiri. This is about your story. The story of Pandora is the story that you are creating. You are the character. And it made me think, and actually there's an article on the WW Radio blog from one of our blog writers uh, that, about the same thing. This was a tactic that goes back to 1970 when Snow White opened and everybody's like, hey, where's Snow White? They're like, no. You're Snow White. You are the, you know, the reason why the princess isn't there is because you are going through that story as her. In Pandora, you are the character and they want you to create your own story. Now I know why you made that reference. I was a little confused, but I got it now. <laughs> Give me time. I eventually get <laughs> you eventually no, when get you there. Said it was it was Snow White's scary adventure. Like, what? What is Manjolo thinking? Um, <laughs> got it. And did you guys pay attention to um again I'm going back to the audio. Did you listen to the animals? Did you listen to some of the yes. th- there was some of the music, the James Horner music. Um some of it was was from the original score, some of it was based on the original score. So John, you've seen Avatar 167 times. Um, <laughs> and it keeps getting funnier every single time you see it. But you would recognize some of them and, and the one question I got a lot when I was broadcasting live was do they sell an audio CD or, you know, can you somehow get the audio from Pandora? And you can't, which is fine because I think it, you should go there to experience it. But the, the mixture of the, the sounds of these Pandoran animals, the ambient noise in the background and the mixture of music that comes in really makes for a wonderful, truly multi-sensory environment. Yes. I know we're still going to cover Flight of Passage, but remind me about the music there because it's it's mostly absent until the end. The James Horner soundtrack comes out, and that's when it really gets me. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we should, listen. Let's talk about the you know the five hundred pound banshee in the room because there are there are two, and I say two because I, I still consider some of the other things attractions, but there are two um, attractions 
in Pandora. There's the Navi River Journey, and there's Avatar Flight of Passage. And I think this is the one that we need to, although I think you should experience Navi River Journey first yes. for a better experience, uh, Avatar Flight of Passage, and I, and I want to hear your opinions before I, I express my own, but I will tell you, for me, especially the first time, it was an incredibly, truly, legitimately emotional experience. Amanda Tinney, I know the same holds true for you. Yeah, I halfway through, I was with a group of about seven people that I had been touring around with, and I'm a grown woman, and about halfway through that experience, I was like, I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. Keep it together, Amanda. Keep it together. And I don't want to spoil the experience for anyone, but I'll just say you have a point in the ride where you can take a little breather. There's beautiful <laughs> music. You know, it's all encompassing a visceral experience. And I just was crying. And and everyone, John's got video of it. He posted it on Facebook and people were like, oh my gosh, she's crying out of fear. But it wasn't that. It was just. <laughs> no, okay. Let so me just tell you moved. why. Let me tell you why I jumped on you with the video. I saw the tears and I knew that was different for you. Like I did not expect this from you. And I wanted to prove to people why I was going so crazy over the ride. I was like, great, another crazy person. Let me prove there's more than yeah. one of us. And I literally took advantage of that situation and exploited it and said, I have to film her right now because we're not, I want to bottle it up, this emotion. Yeah. We're not getting this again. Amanda. Amanda. It's emotional. It is it's emotional, really good. isn't it? Yeah. Okay, why the tears though? What are you feeling? Because it was amazing. That's Flight of the Banshee. Yeah. That's Flight of the Banshee. Flight of Passage, the Banshee ride. At Avatar, World of Pan Again. Pandora, World of Avatar. Again. Can't even talk. Again. 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 Speechless. He's speechless. <laughs> He's speechless. And it was great that I got you for a couple of seconds. And when you said, because it was great, I'm like, yeah, but what are you feeling? What are you? I was like a yep. therapist for that minute. <laughs> that, that wasn't even the words. That was like the only thing that I could say. Like I said, a lot of the time that I was in there, I was completely speechless because this was such a new experience for me because I had never seen the movie. You know, I literally went in not knowing what to expect. And I remember afterwards, we walked down into the merchandise area and Bill Burke pulled me aside and he's like, what was it for you that did that? And it was just, I couldn't even verbalize it. I literally, and you said it perfect, Panda. You said, you flew. And I literally felt like I had flown. It's the closest thing to unassisted flight you will ever feel in your entire life. I, I don't know how they did it, but... I'm getting goosebumps talking about it right now. <laughs> it's just amazing. And it was a little bit different for me the second time. And I think it was because I went in and it was this brand spanking new experience the first time. And I wrote about this. I was like, you know, when you're a Disney file, like we all are, and you go to the parks over and over again, it that shiny penny feeling starts to wear off. You still love it so much yes, because yes. you have an emotional connection with it, but you would never have the first time experience again. Right, and right. That's and can, they can still, and they can still wow you. Like after mm -hmm. all yes. you know about Disney and have been there, they still can do it to you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> my, yeah. My first thing was for me, I had heard from a lot of people that if you're a larger person, you probably will not fit or have trouble. And I, so part of my, you know, excitement was 
hey, I locked in. I can't believe I'm going to do this because I had totally prepared to take the, you know, they call it the walk of shame where you can't. And I will say this, that I've gotten letters from like so many larger people. Can I fit? Like I know their measurements. And the truth is it's not really weight based <laughs> as much as it is. Um, just Body composition completely. And I joke around that when I got off, you could hear the, the Tupperware freshness seal. <laughs> it, it, you know, I just fit, oh. but I definitely tell people don't be embarrassed. There is a test seat outside. You right. might fit, go do it and try it because it really is worth it. And they're supposedly the engineers are trying to lower the tolerances so that a, so that more people can enjoy it. And John, I believe that a cast member, I don't know if you're with us on this ride because we wrote it multiple times, but a cast member said the more practice that they've gotten, the better they are at getting people clipped mm -hmm. in, locked in and whatever. So yeah, a lot of people don't know people, how to. Yeah. Yeah. As more people have gone for these previews, I think that the cast members working with guests have been able to finagle it, like move your leg up or scoot forward a bit. You know? Yeah. So even if sometimes you were turned it's just away, forward. Yeah. Even if you were turned away before. Go back onto that um, test vehicle out front and try again. See maybe if you can, yeah, maneuver yourself a little bit differently. Agree. Yeah, and to, for those who haven't seen the vehicle, it's like a, a small motorcycle, you know, sitting on, on a motorcycle. And people have talked about, you know, they're concerned about being claustrophobic or the restraints. I can't speak to it because I, I'm not sensitive to it. But I, I, I felt can. as though the restraints were not... Um, um, encumbering at all it's a it's a small pad that gently presses and then pulls away from your back and then two small pads on the back of your legs so becky just quickly i want to talk about your emotional experience which i captured on audio and i know the the, the ride vehicle itself yeah for me i was overthinking it because i i had heard that it was a flight and you're on a banshee that's all i knew beforehand so the entire time i'm thinking really how are they going to make me feel like i'm flying because we're going to be in a big car with a whole bunch of other people how's that going to feel right i was really trying to overanalyze it and so when we got in the queue and you know first the queue itself which we can talk about in a minute but when we got into the second holding area and it starts to explain and i'm not going to ruin it for everybody but it starts to explain how your physical body is going to fly and all of a sudden, I started realizing that okay, this—they did a really good job of of drawing the line from A to B to C to D because now this is going to be exactly, cool. Exactly. Yeah. And you have to really pay attention through the queue to to get how this is going to be done. But when you get into that room with the ride vehicle, I think by that point, I was already in awe, realizing what was going to be happening here. And it's genius how they give uh, give you space to put your stuff away without having to have it beneath you or to the side of you. It's back behind you. You get into that vehicle. And, yeah, I, I am a little claustrophobic. So I was a little bit scared of the – maybe not scared. It's a, just a little bit tentative about having my legs locked into anything. And when you get in, in position and the um, – the pad comes up against your back and against the back of your uh, of your um, calves. You're in. You know that you're not going to be flying out of anything anytime soon. But then you have that little um, strange vibration on your back, like a tins device. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think the first time I felt that, I, I almost hit the ceiling of Oh my gosh, what is that? You know? 
I was like, no, I keep that, that going. That feels really good. I know it really did. It it, it, was, it felt like a massage. Make sure you use the bathroom before you get on the ride. Yes. Oh, good point. <laughs> I there actually thought that feeling was a mistake. I was like, oh, no, was there an exposure? Oh, no, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> but you look down and you can see your face as things are, are happening. And it and the strange little goggles aren't going to make any fashion statements soon. I will say that. But it doesn't matter because the Banshee doesn't care. <laughs> when that ride started, when that attra- – I don't want to call it a ride. Um, when that experience began, um, I was speechless. And – when I got off that experience, Lou, how often do you find me um, without a word to say? <laughs> I didn't know. I, I couldn't get a word out. I stood. I had to, like, put my back up against the wall while two tiny um, human mongellos were jumping up and down <laughs> in in just the, the most ecstatic I think I've seen them in so long. And your wife was just all she could say was, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, I flew, I flew, I flew, I flew, I flew. And that's exactly how it felt. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We just flew. Like, you flew. That was probably the most amazing, amazing, amazing thing I have ever done. Like, amazing. The really cool thing about it was how you feel him breathe under you. And you move, feel this animal and, and you, you feel, feel it. And the smells yeah. and the, and the water and the water. And if you're afraid of heights, don't care. You're, oh my god, it's it's fine. Amazing. Amazing. It's flying. It's like I, at first I'm like, wait, this can't actually feel like you're flying. Like <laughs> nobody's true. And then like you got like the wind just like it and like yeah. it's Becky is speechless. You are flying. Becky is speechless. It was, it was the That was most, amazing. Yeah, that was, was the most incredible like, thing I've ever like, done. I think that's what heaven looks like. Like <laughs> honestly. That was insane. Amazing. That was like I think I have to do it ten more times yeah. to really oh, get please. it. All the I looked over so to watch your reactions and you were exactly as I was the first time and this time I wrote it you were smiling and your mouths were agape you, I can't even I, I can't even there's no you don't notice that it's happening you're like wait what you can't you don't realize like exactly what's gonna happen you don't realize that that's the experience you're gonna get it's so captivating it is it, you're writing a banshee you are right? you are writing a banshee a literal dragon the piece that I loved the most seriously was underneath you could feel it breathe you can feel you the could body move. expand and contract you could feel like everything yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you can feel it <laughs> when you drop when you feel it go upside down you can feel it you flew you, you just flew, flew. Yeah. You, did. you just you flew, flew. Totally. that's the closest thing to, to fly. flying that you can do without Outside. actually flying right. I think amazing I wish I could take pictures of your faces because you're there's a look of shock I couldn't believe it I, I never thought in a million years okay. that that was going to be the experience. And taking a different tactic on it, I, I don't have the best eyesight in the world, and I have, I'm blind in one eye, and I have trouble with that type of screen, typically. And I did get to really feel it, which is so much different than any of the others I've done with, with the goggles. And you are immersed, <laughs> totally immersed. But the smells. I know. It was the most amazing ride I've ever been on in my entire life. It was little, I literally entered an avatar. 
you're just like on it. You're like, wait, again, totally. I think you could probably ride that ten times in a row and not see the same thing twice. Because there's so much so going much on on the so screen. And the wind coming at you, like I can't even. Yeah, I lost my hair. I'm oh just... my god! Like <laughs> I got teary-eyed at one point. Like I couldn't believe what was happening. Like I was so amazed. When like I Disney said, out Disney. When I said it's an emotional experience, it it's an emotional experience. Completely emotional. Completely. Especially because this is my favorite park, so yeah. this makes it even that much better. Wait, wait well, you we left your favorite park right, because right, now we're in now Pandora. We're, right. Now it's time to go to Banshees. And there's still another ride to do. <laughs> Um, that was the first time through. When we, when we did it the second time through, the apprehension, because now I knew what to to expect, allowed me to really pay attention to more detail. And I saw more things than I saw the first time. And I, I think that for those that are going on it over and over again, you'll find yourself looking in different places and maybe picking up things that you hadn't seen before. And the smells and the sounds and the sights and just – the relaxation and feeling, I, I don't know if, I don't want to give anything away, but there are, um, it, it touches all the senses between sight and sound and touch in such a way that I was just blown away. I couldn't believe what I had just experienced. Mm-hmm. So Agree. the first time I rode, I came off and I was very hyper aware of what I was doing while I was riding. I went from literally sitting there agape at what I saw. I found myself laughing and smiling like because I was in awe of the experience. And look, I came off and I saw an Imagineer friend and he's like, what did you think? We all said the same thing. I went, I just flew. And my voice cracked like Peter Brady and I was choked up again. And I said to him, I said, you know, I said, I cried on this. I said, I cried because I was overwhelmed with emotion because of the sensation that I gave. We talk about it being a 360-degree, five-century experience. You feel the wind on your face, the smell of the dirt and the trees and the water. The sound is completely binaural. And, you know, this is not a spoiler. I think... You know, we felt that banshee breathing underneath yeah. us. That's like, what I didn't want to say because I wasn't sure if that would be given away. But you're so right. And when I f- you you could hear it breathe and you could feel it breathe at the same time, and it, it was it surrounded you. It, you were flying on the back of a banshee. And you know, if for some reason, I'm yeah, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead, John. I don't know. You, for some reason, you could also sense the wings flapping and when he landed or when she landed and when she took off. And not in a way. There's a people, lot more there. Yeah. People have asked about, about motion sensitivity. Again, I can't speak to it. You know, your vehicle does not really move. And I don't, again, I don't yeah. want to spoil it, but I can only, and a comparison to Soren is unfair, but for an explanation of the type of ride experience, you know, your vehicle. Your, your thing actually moves probably less, but the sensation that you have of, look, man, when you enter that cave and in the curl of that wave, my oh. good Gandhi, <laughs> man, I, I could hold not. Hold on, hold on one, that, one second, Lou. That was I, the crying moment. Yeah. 
<sighs> Lou, I looked behind us at one point, like in my eighth ride, and I thought the vehicles moved quite a bit, more than I thought. When I looked in the back and I looked at the storage bin, that storage bin was going up and down like three or four <laughs> feet. And I was like, oh. Most, so most check people that have, out next time you're there. Well, yeah, I, I will tell you. Have, the, sorry, the, the, most people have an issue with the 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 vision to the movement. And, you know, f- for those of us who have had motion issues in the past, take a bonine <laughs> a couple, couple hours before you go and you're going to be fine. I mean, I think you all, and again, not speaking to an individual's, you know, subjective feelings and, and sensitivities, but it's so good. Like I would, I would almost say you have to try it, you know, if you can. Yes. And the thing that I felt about this too, unlike Soren, is this was a very intimate experience. I was the it- only person there. Unless yes. I looked yes. around intentionally trying to find right. somebody else. I didn't see or feel like there was anybody else there but me. Yep. I think they intentionally blurred out of the very far left and right of your goggles to prevent you from looking over. And it was almost like a haunted mansion effect where you're there with a bunch of other people in those cars, but yet you don't notice them. It really did feel like that. Yeah, If you wanted to feel like you were on it on your own, you absolutely could. You don't have to. You don't feel like you're flying with others when you, in fact, are. Not at all. From that. I can't wait to actually ride with others to look to intentionally look at them. Somebody who's never ridden it before. Cause I want to see that reaction that I know that yeah. I had. That first I was like, that's what I did with you guys. That's right. I, I rode with Becky and my family's first ride. And I spent a lot of time looking over at them again with their mouths open, laughing at what they're seeing and just in awe of what it was like the, you know, sometimes when you go on an attraction, you have to deliberately suspend your disbelief. There's no intentional suspension of that. You feel as though, I, I will not say you, I felt as though I was somewhere else on the back of this flying beast. And every, and the more I wrote it, I, I spent time not just looking ahead, but looking you know, in my periphery. And I saw so many other incredibly sharp and crisp details i saw other navi i saw other banshees i saw other plant and animal life like when you're in that cave yes. look all the yep. way up yep amanda you said the cave is where you sort of lost it yeah because it's just so exhilarating and then you you get a moment and it's almost like i think that was in the music really came into mm. so yes. i was being affected yes. by that and i was like oh my god what just happened? And oh my gosh, now I have a moment to, to take it all in and somewhat process it before we took off again. And yep. I was like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. And then <laughs> after that moment was over, I was just like, oh, and, and my husband and I had an opportunity to ride with you. I think it was like the third day and we both had ridden it a bunch of times and I did look over at you and just pearly whites, you were still <laughs> grinning and smiling. And it, you know, it wasn't like you were just analyzing it you were still in that moment and we rode soren you know a couple hours later and it was like my grandmother's old you know film <laughs> and i was like why are their feet and you know what i mean it, it's just it'll ruin you it'll ruin you <laughs> you know you're right and when when we talk and that's why i said before like ride navi river journey first but there is a um, there is a, a sense of reality that you get on that attraction that I don't think that you feel anywhere else. And it's not, it's a layer. There, there's depths 
depth to that sense of reality because I think no detail is left. Look, if you would have been flying over that one section with the herd of animals and you didn't smell the dirt, right? Like it it makes it such a complete experience. I'm like, you know, you feel you almost want to reach out and and like touch something. And the the little bit of the wind in your face, like what a difference that makes. What about the water? It's not just water. squirting water at you. It's a, it's literally a humidity mist, a humidifier. Like, <laughs> yeah, be prepared expect. for that. <laughs> it's exactly what you would expect, yeah. though, from the experience that you're seeing on the screen. It, it's it's exactly. perfectly done. Yeah, it's now another. Go ahead. Another attraction, because a lot of people will probably have a fast pass, mm-hmm. and they will miss. The other attraction, which right. is the queue for this ride. I absolutely, absolutely. The, yes. Get your fast pass. Absolutely. But you oh, have to do, you have to do the queue at least once. At least. And I have another analogy for this queue. The only thing stopping me from running off and on and off and on and off and on is the Mecca that you have to take up the mountain <laughs> past bridges and waterfalls. And caves. you literally... Caves, yeah. you're literally going up the mountain to the rookery to get your ekron. Mm-hmm. And it is like crossing the Seven Seas Lagoon to get to the Magic <laughs> Kingdom. I have never stopped so many times to look at detail and just looked at another family behind us and go, go ahead, please go ahead, yeah. because we're, we're going to stop up. and look at this. There were yeah. so many picture opportunities and, um, and drawings and... Uh, cave drawings and science experiments and details that were left over from the environment from the movie. And it it was amazing just to go through the queue. And I I think you're right. That is almost a a huge part of the attraction itself, but it is long and you're going up. And that way, when you get off the ride, don't feel so bad about having um, many of the more margaritas because you would have earned them. <laughs> but you know what? Yeah. The reason why I like the queue and I enjoy the queue is because the queue tells a story. There's a narrative that mm-hmm. takes place there about how this organic landscape transitions into the abandoned RDA facility and then the organic life takes over again. And there's the bio, again, the, there's the bioluminescent area. And then you go back into the research facility, I never told so many people to pass me as I did when I was right. in there because it's it's about the details. It's about the story. There's some amazing technology. Look, those little black organisms that clean the water, I could have watched yep. them all day long. So like, I cool. want one of those. I went into the store. I said, you, can I get one of you, those things? You saw these things for the first time in your life, right? I mean, everybody now can tell you how they're dumb, but I didn't. never saw that before. No, I haven't either. either. There's a, someone also pointed out to me. There's a book. Uh, can I? I don't. Need, I don't want to spoil this. Well, <laughs> Jane, this this Jane Goodall book. Well, there's the there's the book that's in that research lab, that center um, glass area, mm-hmm. and it's on the corner right in front of Hank in the Tank. Is that what they're calling him? I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. it's 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 it's. I think that's what the cast members are calling him. But yeah. there's a book that's sitting there, and it's the woman that. that's in charge of all of the animals. And when you go into a, a little bit further, the briefing room, she says her name, and I'm like, oh, that's her book that was sitting there. Yeah. That was just something that someone oh, had pointed out to Dr. me. Dr. Og- Ogden about the that's econs. That's it, right. Dr. Yep. Ogden, yep. yes. Yeah. The, um, there, if so. you look at the workstation just before you get into 
the um, sort of the, the briefing room area, there are some very cool details um, in that workstation. And again, you get the sense that there was an individual, you know, working there um, as part of this this conservation group. And you really, again, you don't have to see the movie to understand what this facility used to be and what mm-hmm. it is now. And now I have to call him Hank. And the Hank in the Tank <laughs> is just <laughs> spectacular. You know, uh, they're, they're, look, there's creepy. so much about the cube. <laughs> creepy and cool. That I, and look, it, when you go back and watch the movie, you you think about the cue again. Because after this past week, I, I watched the film again. I'm like, I was there. This is the, this is where I flew past. This was the facility right, right. that was overgrown. I'm like, I get it. Like it made the connection for me, and I appreciated the film and now the attraction in a completely new way. I can't yeah, wait Amanda, to watch the you film. Still have to watch. We have to do that. Yes, yeah. I know. And and uh, I had a different experience in the briefing room. I've I've had I mean there's different things that happen. Yes. So yeah, that was another thing. I was surprised. I was like, "Wait a second. This isn't the way it's supposed to go." <laughs> yep. So, yeah. Sometimes you have parasites, sometimes you don't. Well, and I was going to say without yeah. that the pre-show areas <laughs> plural because I think the I think the caves are a pre-show. I think the pre-show load area is very very well done. Uh, and the experience is different, but it, it's we, we keep talking about these immersive, interactive type experiences. You almost don't feel like you're waiting in line. You're you're navigating your way through the story, and when you're in that room and you go and they explain the process of how the connection to the Navi is made, uh, I think it's really again. I watch other guests, you know, after I've sort of watched it for the first time, and I watch their reactions and. You know, they again, they suspend their disbelief very easily and they buy into what type of experience they're going through. Yeah. Can we also talk about this is not an Omnimover, but there are I mean, you're you're standing in one line. But once you get ready to get in your briefing room, there's a lot of different ways that guests can go. So I think that helps move that line, that queue line along. A little yeah, bit there's I, I believe if my math is correct. The, at one time, 196 or so people are in the attraction at once right? because there's multiple bays and multiple queues. And you don't realize it when you're walking through, you know, you think that you're all sort of going to the same place, but there's sort of four kind of different loading bay areas. And again, well like, done. you feel so like that well facility done. has been there for a generation. Yeah. So I could look, I could talk about that attraction all day, all night. I will say this, and I I've said it when I was there. I have said it to some of the Imagineers that I wanted to hug. I think that Flight of Passage, and I am I have no problem sticking to this. I think Flight of Passage is without question the most significant and greatest achievement that Imagineering has ever done. I felt that way about Cars Land. I think this takes um, entertainment experiences to an unparalleled level. I'm picking up what you're laying down. I I agree 100%. And it's evident in the emotion that people are coming off with. Again, even if you're not, you know, brought to tears, people are still getting a very big emotional connection. And that's that's the point of it. Absolutely. And I and obviously I want to hear from you, the listener that's sitting at the table with us. I want to hear 
what your first experience is or was like. Like, call, dude, if you haven't been yet, when you go, call me, call the voicemail as soon as you get off the attraction, <laughs> and I want to hear your reaction as well. See if it happens to be what like mine and Amanda's and John's and, and Becky's and my family's was as well. But let's look. There's a lot more to talk about. We could, this is going to be like a six-hour show. Let's go over to <laughs> the other experience, the Navi River Journey. Which, yeah, let's give some love to the Navi River Journey. And I think it deserves love. I, I wish yeah. I would have done it first because I was on such a, a, a high when I came. Look, it's a very different type of experience. Um, mm-hmm. And wait, unlike, this is worth mentioning, Lou. Go ahead. That it's it's all in the same building. Like even though you don't see flight of passage, the Navi River Journey is in the same building, but yet it's on an opposite end of the land. So it feels completely away, but yet it's not. It's the yeah. weirdest thing to me. Well, and they, it you know as you exit Navi River Journey, you realize how close you are to the entrance to flight of passage. But again, it, it's there's no distinction between the two areas because that mountain just sort of flows from one into the other. Navi River Journey is um, a, 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 a I don't, I, don't want, I can't even call it it's a non-traditional I think boat ride um, dark ride through the bioluminescent Pandora jungles at nighttime. I've heard it described from some of the Imagine guys as a lyrical journey in a sacred cave, and I think that very much hmm. uh, encapsulates what this is. Um, the thing that impressed me, there was there was two things that I noticed. Um, was one, the layers of effects, the both physical, projected, audio effects. Uh, I'm, I'm sometimes very hyper aware of, of what I hear as much as what I see. But the other thing about this that I noticed was, unlike many other or most other attractions, there is no concrete storyline. This is not a three-act play like a Snow White Scary Adventures or Peter Pan's Flight or any of the other... It's very much open-ended where you're supposed to – it's about the journey, I think, right? I think it really much is about the journey as opposed to telling a specific story. And then, obviously, there is that huge payoff at the very end. So I would love to hear um, – again, we'll go uh, Amanda, Becky, John, your, your thoughts on Navi River Journey. Uh, what I loved about it is that there was – there was something going on all around you. And I mean, even above your head, those gigantic leaves with the little guys crawling across <laughs> and spinning plants. And, you know, that I thought was amazing just because you had something to look at 360 all around you. And then that shaman of songs, I would just sing that for the rest of the day. It's how, not how a that... small world after all, but it just, oh no. Amanda, how does that song go? <laughs> No, no, no. But I mean, I found myself repeating what the shaman was saying mm-hmm. after I got off of the attraction. So I'm, I've said Aewa way too many A-wa, times. Aewa. 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 Uh, <laughs> yes. Shoma. Well, for me, I. I I really enjoyed it. I like you, Lou. Wish I had had done that one first, um, just because it is such a different experience. And when you've got that high from the other one, you still can appreciate what you're going through. But I do it the other way. It's actually one of my pro tips that I've been using: hit the river first. Um, what I really liked was the layering and seeing, watching the animals approach the the riverside. 
like, uh, and I know they're not panthers, but they looked like panthers. <laughs> Viper wolves. Viper okay, wolf, yeah. that works for me. Um, when they moved forward, you know, I, I know how it's done, but it was so well done that I'm thinking, you know, kitty. <laughs> it was, they're so cute. And it, it was it was done so well. But again, you see the, the bioluminescence in there as well. That's kind of the expectation that I have of that land uh, when it first came up. But it's all about the shaman mm-hmm. and the singing and the fluid motion of, of her arms. And it was it, – it's captivating. And I think when I watched – when I first saw, saw it in the distance, I kept my eye – I just couldn't look away because it was so amazing that that wasn't a real person. Because it was such a fluid motion and movement. And then as we moved past her, I kept watching. I didn't want to look away because it was just so amazing what I was seeing. I'm going to agree with both Amanda and Becky and go into just a drop of detail with stuff they haven't said. The boat itself, I think, is indicative of the land and the conservation. It's just a two-row boat, Mm -hmm. whereas you would think that they were going to cram people into like this, you know, great movie ride type boat and just put 100 people in. No, it feels personal and cozy and intimate. The layering, when you know that it's a screen, people still look at it and go, that's not real. That's that's not a figure. No, that's a screen. But the layering, there was a screen behind there doing something, and then in some cases a third one up and behind those with other things. Also, the way Lou said, it, there's no complete story. It's the randomness of nature. There were animals that I saw on the second and third trip down the river that literally weren't at the screen at the time I was there the first and second time. So you do notice different things. Then remember that log where there's like a little pond of flowing water, Mm -hmm. the insects on that log. Even if you know how it's done, I was looking at it going, no, that (laughs) centipede is real. Did you watch the centipede go in and out of that log? Yeah. 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 That's, that was very cool. I was like, no, I can grab that, can I? And then the shaman at the end, she is just really beautiful with her singing and her movements and the way she bangs on plant drums or whatever they might be. It is, again, I heard a few people come off going, oh, that's It's a Small World. And I say that has as much in common (laughs) with It's a Small World as Pizza Hut does with STK Steakhouse. (laughs) I love how you bring it back to food. This is why we're friends. (laughs) It's it's all food. And uh, it really is, If you know, and I like that it's very different than The Flight of Passage and that it's a completely different experience. And I hope that, you know, I hate to tell adults to tell their kids to enjoy something, but stop, smell the roses, look around and explain why this is, you should be appreciative of all this stuff rather than, ah, there's no explosions, you know, so that's take up. But I, but I think you're right. And the more I rode the attraction, the more detail I picked up, you know, looking at some of the handmade totems that are in there as you approach and the, the, the shaman of songs and look from a, a total oh, yeah. geek perspective, you know, the shaman is, um, the most complicated AA figure ever created by a matching I mean, you look now at, at Hopper or the Wicked Witch from Great Movie Ride, which was for a long time uh, some of the, the most well done. 
it's on a completely different level. I mean, this character, oh, yeah. she emotes. She, when we talk about the fluidity, there's a, a grace to her. And then when you remember her size, I think you really come to appreciate it even more. And I think the more you learn about what this character's story is, how she plays into Navi River Journey, and, and this sort of, again, go back now and watch the film, and her connection to not just the environment, but this this light, this life force that, that exists inside Pandora, again, it, it brings it all back to truly, um, to use an Epcot-ism, you know, living with the land. But and the other thing, too, about this, it is a completely family-friendly attraction, too. So um, little kids, older people, there's no sensitivity, really kind of, there's nothing that jumps out at you. There's no flashing strobe lights. You know, this goes back to the idea of what Walt wanted of, of an attraction that everybody could enjoy together. Correct. Amanda, just a couple of bars of the A.A.W.A. song. <laughs> oh, I think we all just sang it a couple minutes ago, didn't we? <laughs> Lou, come on! You've got a great memory. Go ahead. Hey, are we going to talk about food? Uh, oh, so I, I was going to—I was saving. Why did you just save him? I was saving the best for. All right, so wait. I want to get to food, but I do want to save the best for last because, uh, like Spaceballs, the movie, it's also about the merchandise. So, of course. you know, Pandora the lunchbox, Pandora the flamethrower. <laughs> so, the merchandise location, Wind Traders merchandise. And forgive me for for using or overusing this word is absolutely an interactive experiential type store as well. There's a couple of things I want to touch on quickly and then hear your opinions. The first thing that I noticed and I love and appreciate you are 4.4 million light years away from Disney World. There is no Disney merchandise sold there at all. There is nothing with Mickey on it. No pins with Mickey. I literally bought something just so I could get a bag because even the bags are, I kid you not, they're yeah. Pandora bags. But I also yeah. did both of the interactive experiences. And, I, and if you guys did, I want to talk. My son got a Banshee and I was turned into a, an avatar. I did the avatar maker experience. There's a third interactive experience where you can create your own Navi necklace. But that is... The thing that I love about this is that the story of Pandora is integrated so very well and so very deeply into this merchandise location as well. And now you guys have at it. I would love to hear your thoughts. So, so John, since you went last before, I'll let you go first. Okay, I did buy a Banshee. Uh, I did the whole experience where you connect with the Banshee. It was awesome. And kids were getting a lot more out of that, of course, you know, than the adults. But I had to have my Banshee which I don't want this to come across as a shameless plug, but if you have one at home, you might want to get rid of it because on the beginning of my show this month, they talk about how they really want to take over the Tiki Room and kill everybody in there. <laughs> there is there is a plot. I didn't even know about this when I bought him. So he was worth every bit of $50. Uh, what, what amazes me is I love puppets, so I'm so thrilled that kids today are just embracing this and like everybody's walking around with one on their shoulder. So uh, I love the whole uh, Banshee thing with the, the wings move. It makes sounds. Mouth moves. Head goes back and forth. Love that. Uh, I love the whole store there. I really want to buy everything. But, I but love the, the Banshee uh, experience. And so for those people who don't know, John, you do not go to a shelf and pick a Banshee off the shelf. 
you go and a cast member is there with you and you connect. You know, your banshee picks you as much as you pick your banshee. Correct. If you have a color in mind that you like, you might want to let your your banshee guide or whatever they're calling them know that that color might be connecting with you better <laughs> than another. But yes, they 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 really make you feel like, oh, you're in it now. Don't you can't back off. You got to buy this thing now. It, it connected with you. It's gonna cry when you leave. But, uh, my son has no, one. My son has one, and he treats it like a pet. Like he loves because the banshee too. It's it's an interactive thing, right? There's you have that that cable that goes around you, so you can articulate it. But you do need to sort of train your banshee, right, in order to make the wings move at a much greater distance and and you know Correct. flow a little bit. So they want you to not just buy it and put it on a shelf. They want you to play with it and interact with it and you know treat it like it's a little pet. And I, and I, look again, it's about that suspension of disbelief. Yes. Yeah, it's, and it's you also did, you did buy the perch. <laughs> they, they sell a perch for fifteen dollars, which is awesome. It's a perch that you could put him on when he's not on your shoulder, or she when she's not on your shoulder. And of course, it's it's travel size for your convenience. So just don't get it wet after midnight, or so somebody said. <laughs> no, don't feed <laughs> it. After, don't get happen. it wet. Don't feed it after midnight. Don't feed it. Okay. One of unlike, the other. Unlike, I knew that there was a story of something after midnight because unlike Lou Mangello, don't feed it after midnight. If they, if they grow and get midnight. big, they'll eat your head, right. and that's bad. Or a tiki bird. <laughs> did, or um, ten for yeah. snack. Did any of you guys do the the Avatar Maker experience? Not yet. I did, I did see not, your video no. on it, and I want to hear. more I had to do it. Like I had to do it, and I will tell you, I, I was I broadcast the first part of it live. So if you go to to, to the Facebook page, you can find some of the live videos there. And the look, I totally bought into the experience, right? Because when you sit in the chair to get scanned, there's an entire story. And I had an exceptional cast member, as I think they all are there, not just conveying the story, but what the experience was like. He was radioing, radioing into other people who were in a different area who were in the control room. Like, I, I loved the layers and the depth of story. Then you get this cool card. You're called back to come back about an hour later, and there is another process that you go through to pick up your um, your avatar figure. That is, I did a video of that second part as well. But I've done, so I don't know if you guys ever did like either the um, the Star Wars Detect Me or the Iron Man one at D23X. So I have an Iron Man figure. I've got a Stormtrooper figure. But these are... 10-inch action figures, and when you sit there, you choose what body type you want. So I think there's one male, two different female, and three different children, but you also get to select your eye color, your hair, and the type of um, uh, face paint, the sort of face art that he has. So it really is custom to you, but the cool thing is they're not static resin figures they articulate i mean they really are sort of action figures and yes you can even buy like clothes for them because they're meant to be played with <laughs> that's awesome did you buy clothes for yours not yet <laughs> i mean now he has, want to get him for christmas he has clothes now i mean it's i don't have a naked navi on my shelf because that would be creepy. Like, he comes with clothes but you can buy additional action packs for him it's like my gi joe right, figure like from a- the 70s one There's one like thing a that I'm rider. 
<laughs> One thing I really loved about the shop as a whole was that it wasn't, again, as we were talking about, it's not Disney. So you're not going to walk in there and you're going to find your your Mickey ears and, and so forth. But it's more like um, Navi equipment. But they have the cultural artifacts and all the animal toys and the science kits. Everything that, again, the store is even more so an extension of the story, which I found really cool. And all of the merchandise that lit up. Yeah. There's a whole section that's um, little uh, sandals, thongs that light up, or the shirts that did, or the discs, or there there's was a so wallet many... too. Yeah. You put your tons... iPhone in, and when it rings or something like that, it lights up. <laughs> that's really cool. If I could yeah, carry a, a purse, I would totally stuff. get one. <laughs> oh, come on, Lou. We, we need it's my, European. It's Just get your man bag. Get out the man bag and man up with your man bag. <laughs> Lou, did you get the kids a decoder by any chance? That's I the other the, thing. The language, yeah, the language, which is the spoken translator. everywhere by everybody. Yeah, yes, and they're all saying, yeah, good. It, it's so, what a brilliant piece of merchandise because the translator itself has the, the different card packs and the yeah. card packs are um, color-coded. So like the blue ones are nouns and the purple ones are adjectives and um, the more rare ones. So it, it turns into a card collection scenario as well that you were addicted to because yep. they got rare cards uh, that are green for plants and um, the yellow ones are um, equipment, I think, or, or gear. So I thought that that was absolutely fascinating that you could – Use the cards, collect the cards, use the translator, learn the Navi language so that we can pronounce half the stuff that we're actually seeing on the boards. It's because, fantastic. Yeah, it, it was just brilliant. Yeah, the translator is nineteen ninety nine. The card packs, I think, were six ninety nine. There are 90 cards in all. So at some point, somebody's got to do something on Facebook where <laughs> right. we know who's got duplicates and do trading. And then they said there's secret cards that I don't know how you would even get them. So someone had mentioned to me to ask cast members for cards. So I don't know oh. if that's yeah, might be where you would get them or maybe you like trade agents. with them and they've got this. I don't know. I bet the ace people have them. Mm-hmm. That would be brilliant because that would get you to, yeah. to um, talk with them. That's cool. Is it going to be like sorcerers like talk. during during the, the Navi holidays? Are there going to be like other Navi holiday cards? Yeah, right. Probably. <laughs> you know, that's a great question, though, is. Christmas time and holidays, will they not, you know, decorate this place or will they say for the humans, we're going to do a little something or will there be special Navi holidays? Very interesting. I never thought of that till just now. Well, because we talked about the characters. Look, there are people who were born on Pandora. There are humans who were born there as well as the expats. Again, everybody has their own backstory. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, do they bring a little bit of home to Pandora or is it still mm. is it very, very separate? Or do they celebrate some sort of, you know, wacky Pandoran holiday? And then the very the humans yeah. the humans that were running around with the guy with the stick that had the story <laughs> all in the stick. I had a seven o'clock date with him, I'm saying. Oh, calm down over there, you <laughs> <laughs> they were so fun, though, to interact with. And if you ask them about uh, one of the gals was running around and she had a shawl on that had different patterns laced into it. And you ask her about that and what it means. It Again, you could spend an entire day just talking to the, um, the people inhabiting the area. 
and an entire day just meandering around looking at the detail. There, there's so much here. And true to everything Disney does, everything speaks and everything has a story. So there's a reason why, you know, the, the mossy walls look the way they do. There's a reason why some of the fixtures that you'll see out in the courtyards, again, look down. I, I won't spoil it for you, but look down in some of the courtyards and look not just at some of the, the footprints that you'll see in day and at night, but some of the imprints that are there as well. Hmm. And the thing too, um, John, about the, the Banshee experience, I want to sort of you know wrap one thing up. We talked about how Pandora uh, really reflects the, the conservation initiative of Disney's Animal Kingdom. When you get your, um, your, your Banshee, they explain to you that the naturalists explain to you that the Banshee itself is a symbol of their commitment to their environment, of, of working together with the natural inhabitants of the environment. And they encourage the guests that are leaving to make a pledge. Like you actually take like a little pledge to respect and protect yes, the yes, world yes, of yes. Pandora and back on Earth. So that message of conservation and environmentality very much carries over there. Yeah, speaking of that, and I haven't gone since the media event, did you see the conservation exploration thing that happens on people's cell phones? It's been on Facebook. When no. they get into when they get into Pandora, I don't know if they text something, but one of the guides says, "Hi, welcome to Pandora. We have a mission for you. If you complete it, we will donate $10 to the Disney Conservation Fund. If you wow. don't want to participate, yeah, if you don't want to participate, we'll still donate the $10 by clicking here. And if you participate, there's some it says go find this statue or go find this. I really can't wait to do more of this, but there are cell phone exploration things that have to do with them giving real money to the Disney Conservation Fund. Well, the other I thing too is I, I have I have not seen that, and now I have to go back and try. But the um, if you've ever done the Wilderness Explorer experience yes, in the park, yes, yes. they actually carry that over, and there are two. I actually did one of them. There is a, um, I think there's a botany badge. I did the ecology badge where you learn about the Pandoran animal, so you have to find the troop leader. And they, again, they explain the relationship in nature, and then you get to earn your badge, which is a, a Navi sticker that goes in. And and I love that. Like I love that they sort of carry that over. And again, for kids or and adults, it's a free, you know, uh, something else to do, something else to collect type experience. Yep. You know what I'm really impressed about? That we haven't talked about food yet. Correct. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. We have gone right. this long and we haven't even talked about food. Now that's, that's let's get amazing. into my wheelhouse. Let's just let's just <laughs> let's sit back, relax, put on your stretchy pants, and talk about dining inside Pandora. Before we get to the actual food itself, once again, Satuli Canteen. In terms of storytelling, uh, again, it is the the former commissary of the RDA. And you can see that combination of, um, you know, very sort of a sterile type, um, you know, military canteen matched up with the Navi culture. Look, uh, like when you walk in, look up at the totems and the beadwork and the artwork. Yeah, like it is a yeah. beautiful environment. All that being said, let's get to the food. Um, <laughs> because what I, there's a lot of things I like about this is 
you can sort of create your own Satuli bowl. And for, for, for ways of comparison, it's sort of like Chipotle style, right? You select yep. your protein, you get your base, and you get your sauce. Very quickly, there's a slow-roasted grilled beef, a chopped wood-grilled chicken, sustainable fish filet, and I didn't think I would, but I really actually liked the chili-spiced crispy-fried tofu. You then select a base. There's a quinoa and vegetable salad, red and sweet potato hash, yummy, mixed whole-grain rice, and a romaine and kale salad, and then you add your sauce, a charred onion chimichurri, black bean vinaigrette, nice, and the creamy herb dressing. And all those entrees run between eleven forty nine and twelve ninety nine. And I will tell you I've eaten there one, two, three well, I've eaten there a bunch of times. You get a lot of food. And food that dare I say, depending on how is actually not just tasty, but it's healthy too. Yes. Yeah, compared to what Disney usually has that yeah, I would say quinoa and chicken, pretty healthy. Yeah. yeah. Dare I say, uh, you know what, I'm going to throw this out there before you give me, dare I say, the best counter service dining at Disney's Animal Kingdom? Uh, yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't. Don't so sure of yourself there. I was thinking of Flame Tree, but no, I still think I'd pick Satouli Canteen. And the cheeseburger pod? Ay, Dios mio. Oh, those were so good. The little cheeseburger pod. They're like bao buns, right? It's steamed cheeseburger (laughs) What? It has. Did you say bowel buns? No, no, no John. Bow. Bow. Wow. B A O. There's a vegetable bowel steamed bowel. curry one and there's a cheeseburger one. Oh my. It's, it's like they took all the best parts of a tasty Big Mac and shoved it into a bun. <laughs> and Even then the they got the vegetable curry. Yeah. Yeah, pretty good. I asked for one of each and I got it. It was really good. There wasn't anything there that I didn't like. And, and you're right, the the portion sizes were great. And that oh, crispy slaw with the boba. Oh, was oh yeah. yeah. And a kid would not be so scared of that hot dog and that beautiful bun they've got. That cre- it look like, looks like a crescent roll, you know, well done with a hot dog in it. Yeah, so for kids, they have the beef, the chicken. They have all – you can do the a kid's meal bowl with rice and grains or salad – but they also have the cheeseburger pod, the uh, all-beef hot dog wrapped in Joe, and a cheese quesadilla. So it's nice that they, even the kids' items are different than what you find yeah. elsewhere. Right, you're not but, getting an uncrustable. Yeah. Right, the, right. Then we, we do have to talk about the thing that nobody could agree on. The desserts. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, that blueberry cheesecake There were some people that loved the blueberry there's a blueberry cream cheese mousse cake, and then there's a chocolate cake, and they're both um, kind of a, a mound of deliciousness. But some people either really loved the blueberry or didn't like it at all, and those who didn't loved the chocolate and weren't too fond of the other side. And I got to – when you dig into the blueberry cream cheese mousse, it's purple. I so, yeah. liked the blueberry that, that one. That threw me off, but was, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, it was a little odd. But because it looks, uh, because look at it. It looks like it's something that a Navi would eat. That's yes. the point. It's meant well, to be. And the thing be, on top looks that, like an egg yolk, but it's passion fruit. It's passion fruit, yeah. So yeah. it's healthy because it's got fruit in it. <laughs> <laughs> don't, mess with, don't mess with my fantasy. Just The same way wow. the carrot cake is a vegetable. I got Correct. it. <laughs> Correct. See? It is. So, it's Amanda, what, cool. what, did you, um, what did you think of the food? 
Um, well, I loved it because, I mean, if there's anyone who's got special dietary needs, like for me, I've recently changed my way of eating. And if you're vegan, it's a great place to go because you can go get the rice, you can get the tofu, you can get the chimichurri, and it's fantastic. I They didn't have a dessert option for me, so I just, I mean, your desserts looked like art. You know, you eat with your eyes first. So, I mean, they were beautifully plated and... Um, I didn't get to try them, but I really, really, really enjoyed my lunch. I did as well. And we should also mention, too, um, as far as beverage options, they have something called a Pandoran Sunrise, which is tropical juices and Powerade melon, which I liked. Mm. They have one. um, You could also get that in a special um, souvenir cup. But they also have alcoholic beverages there as well. Um, We tried the Dreamwalker Sangria, which is white sangria with the uh, blue curacao. A number of different um, ales, there's um, different beers, as well as some Chardonnay and Pinot Noirs as well. So if you do want a beverage, Becky, with your meal, you can have that as well. Did any that of you sangria guys... was really good. Yeah, are I those the same that. beers that are outside at Pongu Pongu? So there is a, a Mawara High Country Ale, a Hawks Grog Ale, um, a Banshee Pinot Noir, a, ban- a Banshee Chardonnay and then there's Bud Light and Stella Artois. Okay, so those are the two specialty beers that are outside as well. Right, and we'll get to Pongo so, Pongo, don't so you is, worry. Yeah, is, is Bud Light considered an import? <laughs> uh, on Pandora. Just, just curious. Yeah, 4.4 million light years. So did any of you do the ordering ahead via the mobile app? Not yet. So oh, this is so this is something that Disney is just starting to roll out, and from what I understand from people who have done it, it is working flawlessly. You can pre-order your meal via the My Disney Experience app. So what you do is you can order it, you can pay for it via your app. You can also schedule when you want to pick up the meal. So if you're in Pandora, you know you have a fast pass or you're wandering around, you can order your meal. Say you want to go and get it at one thirty you'll actually get a message. You can let them know, hey, I'm getting, you know, I'm five minutes away. You let them know, and then they'll text you to let you know when you should come into the area and pick up your order from the counter. That's amazing. And it's already paid for. It's already paid for. It's it's a separate line. Um, A friend of mine was here last night. He said he did it. He said it's revolutionary in terms of how he's able to get his food. And they're doing it at a number of other places like ABC Commissary, Backlot Express, Harbor House, mm. Cosmic Rays, Deluxe Burger, Electric Umbrella, Frame, Flame Tree, Liberty Inn, Pecos Bills, Pinocchio Village, Pizza Fari Restaurant Source, Tortuga, and Tomorrowland Terrace Restaurant. So, we're, And you'll we're, need to be a resort guest to take advantage of that? You do need to be you're, – are you asking resort me or telling guest. me? Yeah, no, I'm asking you. <laughs> uh, I, I don't believe so. I don't as believe so. As long as you – if you can use the My Disney Experience app, that's that's how it's – book through so okay so you can, i guess awesome. you can pay at the counter yeah i don't know um Very and cool. then right outside is pongu pongu which means party party <laughs> yes it does <laughs> calm down Megan. Um, my favorite place in the sorry you your food and my my margaritas i'm just saying well there go you ahead. go Listen, there's, <laughs> there are an item there's an item in that pongu pongu and i know you're gonna mention it Lou, oh yes that literally yes is the whole reason you need to visit Pandora only. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. Flight of Passage was so five minutes ago because <laughs> – so we'll save – all right, so we'll save – I'll quickly go through. They have two frozen beverages. 
They have a non-alcoholic and, a, and an alcoholic. The Night Blossom is the non-alcoholic. It's under $5. It's limeade with apple and desert pear flavors topped with passion fruit boba balls. And the Moara Margarita is uh, tequila with strawberry and blood orange topped with strawberry boba balls. That's nine twenty-five. They have the two beers. But, John, big cuddly panda that you are, I'm with you on the Pongo Lumpia. Listen, I want you to close your eyes, unless you're driving, and listen. Pineapple cream cheese spring roll. It's lightly fried. I don't know what they wrap it in, but that, 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 I hope that's what you were talking about, John. Yeah, it is wrapped in witchcraft and stuff. There's, <laughs> oh my gosh. There, it is some delicious stuff in there. It was is a, it a deep fried Dole Whip or what? Uh, no, call it a spring roll. So it's pineapple with cream cheese wrapped in a, in a dough that is lightly fried. Very lightly. Kind of fried? I mean, it's very, very lightly fried. Yeah. I don't even know if it's fried. It might just be baked on top of it, but it, it's it's just got enough crunch. To yeah, get it doesn't it. feel oily, but I do think it's, it's fried. You just bite into that cream cheese that it, it's got enough. Oh, yum. That's a, a party right there. Oh. Not to grab the the um, tray that the gal was, you know, carrying around. It just goes mine. It's mine. I'm just going to take this over here. Is that okay? <laughs> so, but yeah, John, maybe it's sort of their version of the Pandoran Dole Whip, you know, in, in, as a as a snack. Yeah, I'm like, where was it before? Why, why, <laughs> why would God have made us be born had it not been here yet? It's that delicious. It's that great. Those darn things. Yeah. So. And the beer, the beer tap. You need to pay close attention to that because I know that it's kind of special. Well, not, the, not the, the green, not the ale, but the other one. The the actual the grog the the hawk's grog ale. The whichever one's not green. <laughs> the more <laughs> high. The flo- yeah, the high country. Yes. Um, believe it or not, I'm going to move you off of alcohol and back to the Olympia for a second, just because. <laughs> Just because I want to point out something. When people do the dining plan, right? You usually have snacks left over. That's a snack. You can use your the 20 snacks you have left over from your seven-day dining plan and just get nothing but a whole bunch of pongu. So, so before entering Pandora, you need to yell, anybody leaving tomorrow that's got snacks? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to sit there with a sign like, you know, we'll work for extra snack credits. Just <laughs> My point exactly. And <laughs> I, I believe the Night Blossom is a snack credit as well. Oh. Oh, yes, it is. Right. I'm looking at the menu right now. It is a snack. And the other thing, too, inside and, and around Pongu Pongu, look at the details. Look at the um, the dog tags of some of the people that are hanging outside. Look at what the signs, the order here and pickup signs, look what they were made from. They, they repurposed a lot of things that were left over from the old um, RDA station that was there. Um, all right, so, man, we can, I can go talking about this all. Uh, the, the, one other thing I want to mention, too, did you guys see the drum ceremony? Yes. I missed it. I, was I did so not. Amazing. So I, I did not know it was coming until I saw some people. So, one again, interactive environment. There's an area by the entrance where, um, like some areas in Disney's Animal Kingdom, there are sort of uh, organic type 
drums built into the environment, but they actually do a drum ceremony that has a story about, but it's a very interactive and they pull people out. It's a very high energy kind of thing. That was a really nice, I, Becky, I know you watched that with me. That was a really nice um, little show and surprise. And I loved watching it. It's one, something that sort of takes place um, in 360, you know, it, it's not sort of on a stage somewhere. It takes place right in the middle of the environment. And, and I love how they pulled people up and got kids playing drums and adults playing drums as well. Yeah, I loved looking over and, and seeing um, John Lando dancing, <laughs> which was <laughs> kind of fun. Um, but I, you know, when, when you have a land like that, you expect from Disney, you expect entertainment of some sort, right? And that is the was the perfect entertainment scenario that matched into the story and really um, kind of put a little bit of topping on the whole experience because you did have that drum ceremony. There's, there's three that, um, that rotate. So a couple of them are in the back and then one comes up front and they grab people from the audience to interact and to create these sounds and, and be part of this experience. And it's so much fun watching them. They had so much energy and were extremely entertaining. And I think you and I stood there and watched two or I think we watched all three cycle through and it was hard to pull ourselves away because it was so much fun to watch the other people get involved and people dancing and seeing what they're going to do next. There's enough comedy to keep you entertained, but yet it was enough um, to really stick within the Pandora story. Yeah, I mean, it. great, great percussion um, music yeah. that was being a lot of talent. There. Yeah, a lot of talent. So, all right. So in sort of wrapping this all up, um, I, I would love to hear from you guys individually and collectively it, with either a, a final thought, uh, a tip to get the most out of your visit. Um, again, I'll do ladies and guests first. So Amanda, Becky and John. My one thing is if you think. If you haven't seen the movie and you think you're not going to get it, you are so going to get it. And I would beg you, if you haven't seen the movie, to don't watch it before you go. Just because I want you to have the same like visceral experience that I had. Because I'm really excited to go see the, the film now. So that would be my tip. I only get one. <laughs> There's so many. Um, I, I think one of the things that uh, another banshee in the room um, is the time. Because right now it is extraordinarily popular. It's evening, uh, well into evening where you guys are. And I just looked and it's got a 200-minute wait um, for, for, the, uh, for the flight. But take advantage. Make sure that you're taking advantage of the fast passes. If you're staying on property, take advantage of the extra magic hours if they're available to you. Um, know that things like being matched with the Banshee's Banshee is going to take time if you want to do that. I think that's going to end up um, having a long queue itself. Um, there's also extra ed- extra magic hours from now until July 4th where they're also running uh, the area from 11 to 1 a.m. Uh, for those who, for the night people, which is something we haven't even touched on, guys, is the, the nighttime bioluminescence which transforms it into a whole nother experience um so if you're there like you said at the transition but then try to stay well on because you'll have so many different things to see that aren't um aren't apparent in the daylight so take your time for that too and if you're a photographer but you don't really care about the movie 
doesn't matter. That is a photographer's paradise. Mm-hmm. Um, I had so many amazing moments where just stopping and going, that's, that would be a beautiful artistic picture if I just had, you know, a, a bigger lens and a different type of camera. So it definitely is. Uh, iPhone. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Really? You had to, tr- you had to go there. There's going to be a lot of people laying down on the ground at night taking <clears throat> yeah. selfies. Oh, I've already seen Oh my it. gosh. And the way that the pads light up, it's, you can't explain it. And like you said, John, at the very beginning, I think, pictures, photos, video are not going to do it justice. You have to to experience it with your own eyes. But um, last but not least, I think would be make sure you stop and talk to the locals. Talk to the, the ace people. Really give yourself the time to explore the land. So if you look up and it's a 265-minute wait to get into one of the attractions or you have a fast pass that you're waiting for, don't go out of the land take your time in there and explore, take all the little pathways, get lost. It's going to be the best way to experience it. I agree. And forgive me if we, if we didn't talk about nighttime, because, you know, I said before this land opened with, with things that were coming to Disney's animal kingdom um, from the, the tree of life show to rivers of light to some other things that I think are coming down the pike. And certainly now with Pandora, I think Disney's animal kingdom is going to be the park to go to at night. Um, I think it takes the park itself takes on a whole different uh, feeling and ambiance, and that very much is true. Uh, Pandora at night is a very different experience than it is during the day. The environment is very inter- interactive um, because the, that plant life um, it comes alive in in a very different way, and. Um, you know, spending some time chatting with some of the Imagineers and, and some of the things to so look. I don't want to spoil it for you because I think it is it, it it's the surprises. It's the surprise things that you come across that really helps to enhance your experience. And and I saw them as I spent a lot of time wandering through Pandora in the evening um, as well. Um, I don't want to rehash anything that we said. Um, I think in terms of, of tips, Becky, I agree with you. I think that you do need to put down the map, spend some time exploring and wandering, stay there for the transition as it takes place from dawn to dusk, um, sit and look from different um, angles at the environment, uh, listen as much as you look around. And, you know, circling back to, you know, what I was thinking when they first announced it, um, you know, I think they did an, an exceptional job of fitting in with that messaging of Disney's Animal Kingdom, of conservation and living with the land. I think there are some inspirational messages you can take back from this. Um, I said this before. I, I think this is this one of the single greatest accomplishments Imagineering has done in terms of uh, intimate exp- experiences and storytelling on a completely different level. Um, it's not about the film. It is about that world and environment. And I think it is a very um, intimate experience. You know, the land is not huge. It's, it's probably a little bit smaller than Cars Land. Um, you can enjoy just wandering around for hours. Uh, and I think this right now sets the bar and defines what an immersive environment truly is. Um, 
And if you think this is good, this gets me really excited. Yeah, what I know what you're going to be able say. to do. <laughs> if you like Pandora, you're going to love Star Wars and Toy oh, yes. So and what else is coming down the pike. So I applaud. Um, I know a lot of us were there. You know, I applaud and I thank the Imagineering team of the 150 plus disciplines that all came together to create this world that we saw on screen and like what Walt wanted to do with Fantasyland where you can step into those environments and live those stories that is exactly what they have done with Pandora. Um, I, I loved going. I am excited to go back and see it again many different times in many different ways and hopefully with many different friends like you guys again I want to thank you guys so much for not just spending time with me in Pandora last week but spending time with me tonight um, you can find Becky Mankin of course uh, usually with me or at the bar you can also find her at Mouse Fan or Pongu Pongu if you're traveling to a Disney destination or to Pandora uh, Becky and her team can help you. You can find John over at BigFatPanda.com. Correct. And where are you on all the social stuff? Uh, BigFatPanda.com pretty much leads everywhere. Uh, my <laughs> name, John Sakari on Facebook, S-A-C-C-H-E-R-I. And if Lou doesn't change his schedule, we are going to do a food review <laughs> soon <laughs> from Satuli Canteen. Ned, look, we will call actually, me out on the show. Now we got it. <laughs> we'll be stuffing our faces, talking like, mm, really, really good. That's part of the fun. And Amanda, where can everybody find you? Uh, I'm blogging at wheresamanda.com, and then I'm Amanda Tinney, T-I-N-N-E-Y, on all other social channels. Good, and I'll put all that stuff in the uh, in the show notes as well. Uh, thank you guys once again. I sincerely appreciate you. Uh, if I knew how to say it in, in Navi, I, but listen, I butcher, the, I butcher the English language. I would certainly butcher the... Uh, <laughs> You know how to say it, John? No, not really. I would make it up. <laughs> you guys can all sing. Sing the shaman song. <laughs> I want to go get with the, one of those Mankin margaritas now. Oh, dude, they're so good. I, I, I just wanted you know, half half of the margarita and just put all the little ball things in there because they're so good. They're strawberry flavored and it's yum. Just yum. Ewa yum. Nagahu. May Ewa be, be with you. What? Ewa <laughs> Nagahu says, "May Ewa be with you." Okay. I'm, I'm actually reading. Hello. Heya love means until Sing the next time. Sing the shaman song. Ewa, Ewa, Ewa. Oh, sing. You know what you forgot? You forgot to get your your face painted. I'm gonna go back and do it. I'm gonna. I'm, I said that I was going to do it on a live show, so I'm either going to do yeah. it at a meet of the month in Pandora, or That's I'll do it during idea. a live show. Yeah. And make sure, it, make sure it's you at during night. The because... food if you want to do it together. <laughs> I, I've, I've, heard, I've heard it glows in, with the bioluminescence yeah. at night. So oh. I'm thinking of Pandora meet of the month around dusk. We can meet, we can eat, we can get my face painted, we can all ride Flight of Passage together and eat some more. All right, so I'm, I'm switching up the plans we had in June. <laughs> it's 
time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or see how well you pay attention to the details, not just in what you see, but sometimes in what you hear. If you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online forum for a chance to win a Disney prize package and a new prize this week. But before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week I was talking to you about Happily Ever After, the new fireworks nighttime spectacular in the Magic Kingdom that replaced Wishes after nearly a 13-year run in the parks. But your question was to tell me that when Wishes debuted in October 2003, what show did Wishes replace? Again, thanks to the nearly thousand of you that entered, got this one correct because you knew or remembered or Googled that Wishes actually replaced Fantasy in the Sky, which was there for a much, much longer run. But as I said, if you haven't seen Happily Ever After as yet, the projections on the castle are just spectacular and the fireworks themselves are bigger and grander and you are going to love the music. But anyway, I took all of the correct entries, randomly selected one, and last week you were once again playing for my 102 Ways to Save Money for and at Walt Disney World book, all seven of my virtual audio tours of the Magic Kingdom, both of which you can find on the shop at www.radio.com. I'm also going to send you a WW Radio Magic Band 2.0 cover, some a bunch of WW Radio stickers, and a brand new prize that I just got in this week, a WW Radio pop socket phone stand and uh, grip and mount. If you've never seen it before, sort of a, a small logoed expanding stand that fits on the back of any phone that you can use to hold in your hand, stand it up on a table, and it's also going to come with a mount for your car or your desk or your computer. I only have these available as prizes. You can't buy them in the store, although I will have some at our booth at D23 Expo coming up in, yikes, just over a month. So last week's winner, randomly selected, is... Michelle Gransky. So, Michelle, congratulations. I have your information from the online form. I will get your prize package out to you right away, but if you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So, I'm going to keep this one simple and straightforward and bring you over to Disney's Hollywood Studios, and we talk about immersive environments and attractions and games, and I think Toy Story Midway Mania is really one of the best examples of that. But let's see how well you know or remember the attraction itself. Because before you actually get into the scored game, you get sort of a practice round at the very beginning. So tell me, in Toy Story Midway Mania, what do you practice throwing before the game actually begins? You have until Sunday, June 4th at 11.59 p.m. to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, and use the online entry form there. Again, you're playing for the book, the tours, the Magic Band cover, the stickers, and I will send you one of the new custom WW Radio pop socket phone holders and stands. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you again so very much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. Thanks to all of you who followed along with me live and on the videos from Pandora last week. If you visit the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Radio, you can see replays of the live video, other videos I uploaded, including the avatar making experience and a bunch of 360 VR walkthroughs of the land and some of the attractions while you're on the site, be sure and pick up the new free guide, 102 Things to Do in Walt Disney World at least once. You can find it right on the homepage of the site. 
And to make sure you don't miss anything, please make sure that you like and turn on notifications on the Facebook page. You can follow me on social. I'm at Lou Mangiello on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter. Please also join me every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for WW Radio Live. I do a live video broadcast and chat with you either from the parks or from the home studio. Great way for us to have a two-way conversation and you can play games to win prizes and call into the show for a chance to be part of the broadcast. Again, that's Wednesdays, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. I'd love to hear from you. If you have a question you want me to answer on the show, you can email me, lou at www.radio.com or call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. Of course, I believe that nothing beats a handshake and a hug. So on the Facebook page, click on the events tab. You'll find out about upcoming meets of the month, as well as special events like our upcoming Double Dip Cruise later on this month, our cruise to Alaska in 2018. Yes, there is still availability there. Other events I'll be doing in the parks, on the road, and at our special event coming to D23 Expo. Stay tuned this week for a special announcement. The next meet of the month in Walt Disney World is going to be probably Saturday, June 24th. I'll have details hopefully this week about exactly when and where that will be. I also do other meetups and events on the road as I travel to speak. And if you visit lumangelo.com, you can find out how I can maybe come speak to your school, your business, or at your event. And if maybe I can help you turn what you love into what you do with either some uh, one-on-one mentoring or some small group coaching. I'd love to help you build your brand and business and do what you love full-time. Again, you can find out everything over at lumangelo.com. There are also less than 20 seats left for my Momentum Workshop Weekend in Walt Disney World, October 14th through the 17th. There's also only two seats left for the Tuesday Mastermind Session. I'm really excited about this two-day, very interactive workshop where I can help you with the help of some other speakers in a a small, intimate workshop-type environment, help you make real changes in your life and in your business. Again, for more information, visit lumangelo.com. Thanks, as always, to some of the new and longtime members of the WW Radio Nation, including Justin Carrington, Quincy Julian, Anthony Scavone, Mark Thompson, and Christine Hardy. I sincerely appreciate you and the love and the support that you and so many other people give through the nation. And if you want to find out how you can not only help the show, but get exclusive monthly rewards like monthly scavenger hunts, access to our private Facebook group, personalized magic band covers, backpacks, t-shirts, care packages from Walt Disney World, uh, exclusive live video group calls, and lots more, you can please visit www.radio.com slash support. Don't forget that the purge of my Disney collection is still going on on eBay. I have many, many boxes that have been in my garage for my personal collection that it's time for me to finally let go. New auctions begin and end every Sunday night. I usually have about 10 items up there. You can visit www.radio.com slash eBay, and that will take you to the auction page as well. Thanks again to Becky Mankin from Mouse Fan Travel, my official recommended travel provider. It's been who I've been using for years and it's why I recommend them because of the level of service that they give all at no cost to you. You can visit them at mousefantravel.com and please go to Celebrations Press to subscribe to Celebrations Magazine. And as always, my friend, and you, you truly are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, I mean that sincerely. And if you like the show, all I ask is that you take just a second to let others know about it, whether you tweet out a link to this week's episode, better yet, share this or your favorite episode over on Facebook and take just 30 seconds to go to iTunes to rate and review the show. Thanks to you. We have more than 1,200 five-star reviews. We hit number two overall on iTunes. I want to thank some recent reviewers. 
like Dallas Donna's Jim, who says, don't listen when hungry. I really enjoy the show, but I can't listen when I run anymore. If it's a restaurant review, Lou makes me so hungry. I think it's so sweet when the family does reviews and have gotten great suggestions from the shows. They're literally the nicest people if you meet them as well. Oh, thank you. I think Lou puts a lot of effort into his shows and guests. Becky is one of my favorites. What? <laughs> there is no other Disney. Po- I kid because I love. There is no other Disney podcast that is as well produced and planned. Doctor Teeth MD, I love it. Says, great show, very fun and exciting to listen to. And Kate Linville says it's her favorite podcast. She discovered it in 2015 when driving to Disney World with her sister, and hasn't stopped listening since. She grew up in a DVC family. Love hearing all the latest reviews and review news and reviews of restaurants. It's my favorite podcast and the only one I listen to on a regular basis. You stay awesome, Lou Mangello. You stay classy, Katie. And you, the rest of you, you continue to stay awesome and amazing and wonderful as well. Uh, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you and the gift and the blessing you give me of your time. And if there's ever anything I can do to help you in some way, please let me know. And... If there is something that you've always wanted or wished you could do, I tell you to to jump in the pool. And what I mean by that is I was at a pool this week and I was thinking about jumping in. I'm a total sissy when it comes into jumping in, into cold water and I didn't know if it was, if it was hot or cold. And I, I thought about that decision-making process that was going on there and how it sort of applies to some of those moments that we all have of indecision in life because sometimes you know what you want to do you know what you have to do but when it comes down to it you're kind of afraid that the water might be too cold and but you know that once you do the water's going to be fine and that leap of faith that you take and, and overcoming that fear is going to be worth it sometimes trying to like take the little steps and go in an inch at a time is harder than just jumping in so when you're standing there at the edge of that pool, right? And that the metaphor I'm using of the pool, when you hear those different conflicting voices in your head, listen to the one that says, do it and just jump in. Take that leap of faith. I promise you, the water's going to be fine. I hope that you have your best week ever. Go jump in the pool. See ya. Hey, Lou, this is Justin from uh, Chicago, Illinois. I just wanted to say thank you for everything that you do and let you know how much I enjoy listening to every single one of your podcasts. I actually just went back and listened to your very first one. It kind of uh, have inspired me to do my own thing as well. Uh, so um, keep doing what you're doing, and uh, God bless you and your family, and I uh, look forward to the next one. Thanks. Hello, Lou. It's Bethany Bright from Arizona, but recently moved all the way to Indianapolis about a year ago now. I just listened to your Top 10 Disneyland Secrets episode, and I'm most definitely down for a part two for this. Just like Jim, I tend to think of myself as a Disney World or Disneyland know-it-all. And being from Arizona, I would make the trip to Disneyland about three to four times a year. I as well have that deep emotional connection you guys were talking about to Disneyland, and also get cheery-eyed, just like you, every time I walk down Main Street and see the castle. Now living in Indy, I'm so far from Disneyland, but this episode made it seem a little closer to my home away from home. Of course, I love Disney World just as much. We even did a Disney College program in Magic Kingdom in spring of 2015. Thank you, Lou, for always making me feel a little bit closer to both my homes every week. Thank you so much, and have the most magical day. Bye. Hi, Lou. My name is James Dressler. Uh, I'm a recent uh, listener to your show. And, uh, you know, your 
your newest one that's out about the 10 secrets of Disneyland, you wanted our feedback about our favorite secret. And my favorite secret is the Little Men of Disneyland. There was a golden book called The Little Men of Disneyland. It was written back when Disneyland was being built. And, uh, you know, you can still find the, the house in Disneyland by the Fast Pass in, uh, by, the uh, Indiana Jones ride. So that was that's really special to me. I'm looking forward to seeing it again very soon. And I uh, just thought I'd share that with you. Thank you very much. Good morning, Lou Mangiello. It's Darlene Nagy from West Seneca, New York. And I want to say thank you so very, very, very much for that Pandora uh, expedition that you did. Now, your next expedition is going to be in 30, 30, 30, 30 days. And we've got a great plan for you. Make sure you have a lot of sunshine and happiness and good food. Great days at the water park that's in the bay. And maybe go to the adult beach or check out a cabana. I know there's so much for you to research. Have that double tip. is going to make it a great payoff for New adventures for everyone on that cruise. I have 105 days now until Disneyland, and I am so excited. Have a wonderful weekend, and stay positive like Lou always says, and love and hugs to all. One life ends, another begins.